now boarding. Hello, and welcome to the Terror and Travel Show, a podcast where we tell you a hometown horror story. And then give you travel advice on how you can visit that region and experience parts of the story for yourself. My name, as always, is Eric Minerjwan. And I am former child star Blair Allison. <laughs> and Eric, it's uh-huh. been a couple weeks since we have recorded, and I just need to tell you that I think it was Wednesday of this past week that uh-huh. I was like, I'm not going to look at these notes anymore. And so I have not looked at these notes for a while. It, like This morning, I kind of cleaned them up a little bit. So this is going to be fun. It's going to be an adventure. Okay. To set the scene a little for you, we're going to take you back to winter of 1701. In Michigan? Mm-hmm. Fuck, that's cold. Very cold. Late winter. It's March, but still, okay. still probably pretty frigid. We had a fella. His name is Antoine de la Moth Cadillac. Yes, that Cadillac. Oh, what was his middle name? De La Moth. That's exceptional. At the time, he had been granted permission to build a fort in uh, the area that is now Detroit, but was called New France at the time. And to celebrate, there was a grand party in the governor's mansion. And this was a time during a time where the English and French were like constantly fighting each other for land in the U.S. Cats and dog, English and French. Mm -hmm. So they were super happy. They're having a party at the governor's mansion. And Eric, you and I are there. I like to imagine. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. In in New France, you bet we're there at the governor's mansion, having the time of our lives, playing some two chains, maybe some Lil Wayne, getting down. I imagine that. This party is not a masquerade, but I feel like we are dressed as if it's a masquerade. And I don't know what gave me that impression. I think maybe we're just like trying to solidify ourselves as the village's eccentrics. Yes. As we're trying to do in every village we visit. (laughs) So we're looking great. We're having our drinks. Everything's going good. But Mm. sometime during the night, a sorceress appears at the door. Classic. Some real beauty in the beast shit, okay? She's about to vibe check us for sure. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like she's kind of welcomed into the party with open arms. The guests oh. are listening intently as she tells fortunes and they kind of revel in her party tricks. We're a little miffed though, because we're like, okay, we're the village weirdos. The vibe is really weird. Uh, there can only be t- t- two can't live while others survive, whatever. Look, we're like at our core weird she's just a sorceress who's like bringing on the accoutrements of magic to try to make herself weird we innately in ourselves i'm not we're not like other girls (laughs) oh my god i'm weird i'm a weirdo this woman is described the sorceress she's described as a woman of unusual height a dark swarthy complexion restless glittering eyes and strangely fashioned garments yet in harmony with her face. Ah, she's one of those tall elven ladies, huh? On her left shoulder sits a black cat that occasionally licks her ear. The more superstitious of the party Mm -hmm. believe that this was possibly the devil giving her information. Like that'll, I mean, that'll do it. All you need is a cat to commune with the devil. Mm Mm-hmm. And when she finally approaches Cadillac, she prophesies that he will, quote, found a great city which one day 
will have more inhabitants than New France now possesses. Many children will nestle around your fireside. Whoa. But then, his fortune changes. The sorceress goes on to reveal that Cadillac's upcoming policy for selling liquor to the local indigenous tribes will be the source of his ruin. The local tribes will become hostile. The English will struggle with the French for possession of the colony and, quote, under a new flag, it will reach a height of prosperity, which you never in your wildest dreams pictured. So like under an English flag, not a French flag. Then the sorceress issues a final warning. Appease the Nain Rouge. Beware of offending him. Should you thus unfortunate, not a vestige of your inheritance will be given to your heirs. Your name will be scarcely known in the city you founded. Ooh. I bet he hated to hear that. Well, then he basically is like, LOL, neat party trick, and just kind of sends her on her way. <laughs> go home. Basically thinks it's hilarious. The next six years go by without incident. The colony Cadillac founded is prosperous, and he becomes quite wealthy. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, though, with the way capitalism works, it was to the detriment of the lower class. One day, Cadillac and his wife were out for a little stroll in the park, and he overhears a conversation where two men are discussing the horrible conditions that the poor are living in. And one of the men says that his wife recently saw Le Petit Homme Rouge, which translates to the little red man. Not the little red man. Yeah, and something about that strikes familiar to Cadillac, but... He just brushes it off and keeps walking. He's got other things going on. Then, before him, the Nain appears. He's described as red-faced with bright, glistening eyes, sharp pointed teeth, and emitting a cold gleam like a reflection. And then he's like, oh yeah, the sorcerers at that party told me (laughs) about him all those years ago. Duh. How could I have forgotten? Egg on my face. Mm -mm. He's having none of this malarkey, though. Mm -mm. He does not have time for it. So instead of heeding the warning that he was given, he whacks the name with his cane, and the creature vanishes. Wait, he what? He he hits him with the cane. Oh, he hits him with his cane. I, I heard he waxes the name of his king. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? That's some poetic shit that I couldn't even dream of. <laughs> So he whacks him with the cane, just bonks him on the noggin. Bonks him on the head, little bunny foo-foo style, and he, d- mm-hmm. he vanishes. But then, to his horror, he hears a voice in his head. You have offended him, says the sorceress. Ruh-roh. This will bring you and yours to ruin. You were told to coax him, to beware of annoying this demon, and in your ungovernable temper you do just otherwise. Misfortune will soon be our portion. (sighs) And then this particular story goes that then Cadillac did lose all his fortune and his children did receive no inheritance, just like the prophecy said. Historically, I'm not sure how true that is. Um, I was not interested in this guy enough to really look into it. So (laughs) that's where we are. And this particular story comes from... um, in 1883 book called Legends of Le Detroit by Marie Caroline Watson Hamlin. We're just gonna call it Hamlin because that's a mouthful of a name. Yeah. 
So even though this tale was written 180 years after the supposed run-in with the Nain, it's it's still quite compelling and people believe that this is like the origin of this little red devil, the mm-hmm. Nain Rouge, as he is called. Gotcha, okay. And since then, he's been seen as an omen of misfortune. Specifically for people in Detroit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like Ooh. specifically for that area. Does he ever do anything? Apparently, yeah, he's deep-seated in the community, and there are many, many accounts of, throughout the history of Detroit, of sightings of him before a great tragedy or event. Whoa. So this story by Hamlin is actually, um, well, she, Hamlin was actually a descendant of the Detroit French and wanted to preserve the French culture that had become so anglicized, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, that was kind of one of her reasons for writing out this particular story. And I'm going to be calling him the Nain Rouge because that's kind of the mainstream pronunciation. The, mm-hmm. Some of the French descendants still refer to him as his proper French name, the Nun Rouge. But I'm okay, going gotcha. to be referring to him as the Nain. A devil by any other name be just as sweet. <laughs> so this legendary creature, this little red man with the dark fur boots, with the, <laughs> the, with oh, the boots with the Oh, he's got the fur. boots with the fur? <laughs> He's the small childlike creature, blazing red eyes and rotten teeth. And a thick ass. Just double caked up. (laughs) (laughs) So his first document appearance, of course, is in Hamlin's book Uh uh, back in 1701, where the story takes place. And then throughout the history, I'm just going to give you a timeline of every time he's been seen that's been documented. Ooh! And then after that, the next one is July 30th, 1763. He appeared just before the Battle of Bloody Run. Uh, it was a battle between the English and um, Chief Pontiac's tribe, and mm. at least 50 British soldiers were killed in the attack. Loki, good. <laughs> <laughs> Deserved. Yeah, yeah. And it said that the nearby tributary of the Detroit River ran red with blood for days following that battle. And surviving soldiers claim to have witnessed the Nain Rouge dancing along the banks of the river prior to the battle. Turn up, yo. We about to get some blood in this river. (laughs) The next sighting, 1805. Mm -hmm. Multiple sightings in the days that were leading up to a massive fire that actually destroyed most of the city. Whoa. (laughs) What was he doing? Was he playing with matches? He was probably playing with matches, yeah. (laughs) What a bastard just fucking around <laughs> running around oh my gosh i like i don't know what he's doing in these i just imagine him dancing and just like hopping all over shit just vaping and then putting like the electrical part of a vape cartridge into some kindling and burning up a city beautiful beautiful imagery <laughs> the next time he was seen was during the war of 1812 actually general, oh yeah general william hull reported a dwarf attack through the fog just before he surrendered Detroit. You hate it when you get attacked by dwarves all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was it, does that imply that there was more than one of the, the Nain Rouge? No. In that I, instance? I, no, I think it was a singular okay, gotcha. dwarf that just came out of the fog and, and got uh-huh. him. Uh, and yeah, and from here, the, the, it, it seems to get a little more violent and hands-on because in 1884... A woman is attacked and describes the creature as resembling, quote, a baboon with a horned head, brilliant restless eyes, and a devilish leer on its face. 
a babu with a horned head sucks so bad. <laughs> like, I'm already afraid of baboons, period. Monkeys, most monkeys are fucking terrifying. With horns? No, sir. No, thank you. You and I are scared of a lot of the same animals, because I'm also pretty scared of most monkey creatures. I only fuck with bonobos, which are like a matriarchal society and uh, are fairly chill. They just vibe. I'll Um, I'll look into them. But fuck all other primates, including (laughs) humans. Including us. Yeah. Then it seems the name took a little break for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. He put in a lot of work in like a a really short amount of time, just several years. Mm Mm-hmm. He was not seen again until 1967, the day before the 12th Street Riot. Oh, so he took a long break. A very long break. But the next sighting wasn't too far off because it was in 1976 when two utility workers saw what they thought was a child climbing up a utility pole. It, but it jumped from the top of the pole and landed on its feet and ran off. Then the next when day... When you're just doing tricks? Literally just parkouring. Just going hard for the homies. <laughs> Throwing yourself off of a fucking electrical post. That's so good. I, honestly, he just sounds fun. That's it. He just sounds like a fun little shithead sure, running around. Sure, he's a harbinger of death, but like, he knows that I have a good time. Sorry, keep going. Well, the next day after this sighting, uh, the city was hit with a massive snow and ice storm. Oh, no. <laughs> That'll put a damper on things. Yeah. And the most recent sighting that I could find was in the autumn of 1996. According to an article in the Michigan Believer, the Nain Rouge was spotted by two admittedly drunk nightclub patrons who claimed to have heard a strange cawing sound similar to a crow that was coming from a small hunched over man. Oh my god, no thank you. Uh, the, the little man was fleeing the scene of a car burglary and it was described as wearing what looked like a really nasty torn fur coat. What do you think he stole? Uh, cassette tapes, I'm sure, being yeah. 1996. Some Alanis Morissette. Was Nevermind out by 96? I think it was. Yeah, he got Nevermind, some Alanis Morissette. <laughs> uh, maybe some like doggy style ah stand up to date with the latest tunes that's hell yeah although i'm not even sure if i'm inclined to believe that that was the name just because the description is so different like nasty torn fur coat like that might have just been a another drunk guy Mm -hmm. so he was yes i was like a bent over man making howling noises just sounds like a drunk man so those were all the recorded sightings throughout Detroit's history that I could find of um, appearances of the name Rouge. All of them seem pretty similar and with his description and what he was doing. So, I mean, he's embedded in their culture and like so embedded that he actually does have some more, more French roots than we really, really thought. So the name... <laughs> <laughs> the name could actually be what is called a lutin. A hootin? <laughs> I love that. According to the Encyclopedia of Spirits by Judica Isles, lutins are French house spirits that resemble goblins or imps. They can be benevolent, but also can be tricksters. If angered, 
They will play tricks, such as hiding your shoes, tying the laces together while giggling at your discomfort. But they just love mischief. They're just little troublemakers that sometimes kill people. Yeah, and if appeased, they can act as guardians for children, pets, or the home as a whole. Much like you and I, they can be Guardians of children, pets, in the home? No. (laughs) They they can be appeased through flattery and regular offerings. (laughs) No, that's spot on. Always appeased through flattery. What do you think they like to be complimented on? I don't know. Or just like, a job well done, I'm certain. Maybe like, Mm -hmm. I caught a glimpse of you out of the corner of my eye, and might I say, you are looking devilishly handsome on this fine day. So thick. Thank you for gracing my home with your presence. I could do that. Yeah. So, it's said that they can shapeshift and Mm -hmm. often take the form of black cats. (gasps) Oh. So that sorceress? Yeah, remember the story? Yeah. I think that that was the name just whispering to her and that was her companion. So it really was a little devil whispering in her ear. It was. That's okay. (gasps) So names could, would that in that case mean that the name was kind of like a familiar? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like, like he was her familiar. Okay, gotcha. But then kind Very of interesting. began working independently at some point. Mm-hmm. So we have the French Luten, but it also has roots in local indigenous culture as well, as so many legends oh, do. Yeah, so yeah. since the name is clearly a protector of the peasant class, at least in the beginning, the, the Red Dwarf also seems to be on the side of people of the local native tribes. Hell yeah. Many tribes have folkloric traditions of figures that resemble the name. Uh, a popular figure is the Nanabujo, which is also known as the Nanabush, which is very similar. A benevolent trickster hero who can shapeshift into any form, but is often associated with rabbits and referred to as the Great Hare. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, local historian Kate Grandjean uh, says that early French settlers actually had a much better working relationship with the local tribes than the English did and made great efforts to integrate peacefully. So it makes sense that their legends could have blended together to create its very own cryptid. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I see that. Um, and pretty much all the info I have from here, I got from an article called The Legend of the Legend of Detroit's Nain Rouge uh, by Lee DeVito. So. Shout out Lee DeVito. Major shout out. This was a long article, but I got so much info from it. Whew. So now the Nain is treated a bit differently than it had been in the past. And in Detroit, there's a kind of a big festival and it's called the March du Nain Rouge. Part of its conception was that, you know, Detroit and New Orleans are both very, very similar in their um, their French heritage. I didn't know that. That's so yeah. interesting. I, I did not know Detroit was formerly a French colony. And while New Orleans has Mardi Gras, has always had Mardi Gras, Detroit didn't have anything. So the March de Nain Rouge was created. And it's a march whose purpose is to banish the Nain for an entire year, driving him out of the city so that he cannot wreak havoc. So it's some Pied Piper shit. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Now, many people flock to this festival and find it to be so much fun, but it does have its critics and those who oppose the treatment of the Nain. The main leader for this group 
His name is John Tenney. And this guy used to work for Unsolved Mysteries. And he really? Al- he always shows up to the festival wearing a trench coat in homage to Robert Stack, which is really cool. That's sick as hell. Yeah. So he's the leader of the pro-Nain movement. Mm-hmm. And rather than believing that the Nain is this harbinger of doom, he and his group side with the sorceress, saying that all we need to do is appease him and nothing bad will happen. This festival that you're doing is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And his issues are that, like, you know, the original legend has kind of been lost, and now he sees the march more as a ritual of collective hate. And, he, you know, he talks about how yeah. it's kind of messed up that he sees kids as young as, like, six screaming at the, the name creature, I hate you, I hate you. So, when, yeah, when, when you think about that it... That must not feel good. Yeah, when you think about it, name. it's like, why are we promoting collective hatred? That's not what we want to do. Do they dress up as the Nane as well? Yeah, there's actually... there. The Nane is actually like a Mad Max type character, and it rides in on this cockroach chariot. And... Oh, that's sick. It's, that aesthetic, though, is tight as hell. It is like, really cool. Cockroach and, chariot? That's my favorite alternative pop punk band. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and then he kind of j- just jumps around like this devil character and goes up the steps of town hall and people are like boo I hate you I hate you and I guess I don't know maybe he gives a speech or something I don't know if this I wonder what those speeches are like <laughs> I know that would be fun to go to I don't know if they still do it but they used to every year burn an effigy of the name that's just rude that's just if I was the Nate, look, I wouldn't feel good about that. No. I mean, sure, okay, look. His arrival has caused some of the greatest devastation Detroit has ever seen. <laughs> uh, hundreds, if not thousands of deaths. An insane amount of property damage. But, you know, who doesn't have their faults? Certainly not you or I. We've all been there, is what We've I'm saying. We've all been a harbinger of death at some point, I'm sure. So, our, our boy John Tenney, he says that instead of acting like Cadillac, he thinks that Detroiters should identify more with the name, just like you were just saying. Yeah. He sees the name as an ancient helper, so as a collective, citizens should act as such and look out for each other, rather than blaming some outside force, take responsibility as a community, and give hope to others. That's more the message that he wants to promote. But the festival co-founder, Francis Grono, has a different take. He says the intention of the march has always been the same. Why change it after so long? He says if we had a celebration of the Nain Rouge as being a good character, it would be a whole different thing. It, it wouldn't be catharsis in the same way. Yeah, why change anything ever <laughs> and make it positive? Just it's, leave it the same. Yeah, well, he, he, he's, his, his reasoning is kind of like, well, like, this festival brings attention to issues that are going on in Detroit, and Detroit has plenty oh, of issues. Yeah. So different communities or, like, a- different areas of the city will build a float or, like, will dress up in something that is going on in their area that needs to be addressed. That, okay, that's tremendously important. And I imagine even the, the base level of catharsis of, like, having a day where you can just get angry at this thing that may or may not exist is pleasant. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. So yeah, and each year the festival has a different theme. So like, 
it's fun. It's a festival. Who doesn't like a festival? I don't think we've ever covered anything like that on the show yet. We haven't covered any Grimm's or Harbingers of Doom. No, I don't think we have. And um, it was cool to find something that I had never heard of before. Most of yeah, what yeah, we yeah. cover, I've at least have some familiarity with, but this was something brand new to me. Do you want to hear about some of the fun things you can do in Detroit when you're not appeasing the Nain Rouge? Take it away, Eric. Detroit, city. it's Motor City. It's also the city that Houdini died in. Is it really? And yeah, it is. Um, and it's home to many, many rappers, including one of my favorites, Danny Brown. There's also Eminem and Big Sean. And boy, howdy, is there just a fucking ton of shit to do here? I can imagine. So much so that we're not we're barely even scratching the surface. We're basically just touching the surface and leaving a slight impression. <laughs> but I think the impression will be one that you enjoy. There's definitely so. a lot here that aligns with what we are interested in. So I think we'd start by just taking in the sights of the city, which will be easy to do because we can hop on either the Detroit People Mover for the low, low price of 75 cents oh. and see the the downtown from a little sky railway, or the Q-Line streetcar, which along its length will take you an imminent distance of Ford Field, the Museum of Contemporary Art Detroit, the supremely beautiful Fisher Building, the Detroit Public Library, and a plethora of parks, music venues, shops, and eateries. Gracious. If you don't like what you see at one stop, the next stop might have just what you're looking for. We've, we've seen the sights briefly, you know, whizzing by, taking in the city around us, getting a feel for the vibe. Now it's time to fully immerse ourselves in the D, as it is lovingly known. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so let's dive into a little breakfast or lunch or brunch situation at the Eastern Market, which is a market that has been active since the 1800s and I believe spans over six blocks. Holy shit. It's almost easier to describe what isn't in the Eastern Market rather than what is, because it's like foods from seemingly every cultural background. Oh. Fresh produce, baked goods, meats, antiques, flowers, products from local artists, pet supplies, home goods. Fuck me up with it. Truly fuck me up with it. And on their website, there is an application to be a vendor. So there's, so there's the implication that you might always find something new whenever you go. Um, and you better believe that shit is listed in the National Registry of Historic Places. Oh, nice. Friend of the show, National Registry of Historic Places. <laughs> Detroit as a whole is just a city absolutely bursting with art. There's murals, sculpture parks, museums, the Detroit Institute of the Arts, and even a parking lot installation called the Z-Lot, which has like graffiti and murals all over it. It's oh, super beautiful. Cool. But why don't we take a stroll down a neighborhood-wide art project? Tell me about that. I will tell you about that right now. The Heidelberg Project is a 30-plus year artistic endeavor by artist Tyrese Gaitan, who, after being in military service for a period, came home to find the street that he had grown up in had fallen into disrepair. And this started him on a journey aimed at transforming the street where he was raised into an engaging and artistic experience for all. And he did just that, utilizing, 
he, he utilized abandoned houses, cars, light fixtures, and sometimes even people. Yeah, what all is to there? To just create these beautiful, like, landscape murals. Every house is kind of painted with a different design. The house that he grew up in is called the Dotty Wadi House and just has dots all over it. It's super, super sick. And he did all this in order to draw attention to the plight of underfunded neighborhoods in Detroit. That sounds so For many cool. years, the local government has tried to intercede in very aggressive ways to take down the Heidelberg Project. But it seems now that it has become a distinctly important part of the Detroit community. And so, from their website, they say, The theory of change for the Heidelberg Project begins with the belief that all citizens from all cultures have the right to grow and flourish in their communities. The HP believes that a community can redevelop and sustain itself from the inside out by embracing its diverse cultures and artistic attributes as the essential building blocks for a fulfilling and economically viable way of life. Very good. So after having a ball taking a look at the Heidelberg Project and marveling at the beautiful artistic displays that are there, why don't we have even more fun? and head on down to the Motown Museum. Oh, hell yeah! Are you fucking ready? Yeah! We can step into Studio A, where Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, Barry Gordy, Diana Ross, Smokey Robinson, The Jackson 5, Gladys Knight, and The Supremes all recorded their music. Oh, take me there. Can you imagine just like the residual echo of oh. their voices? That's probably I, still just lingering. I would start crying. I, the artistic energy of that I'm sure is in that building is unparalleled. Oh. Oh, Now, God. A Visit to Hitsville, USA, as it is called, is one of the most popular attractions that Detroit has to offer. And you have the ability to see an array of memorabilia from Motown's legacy, including photographs, costumes, company artifacts, and... Uh, there are exhibits that are changed out all the time, so again, there's always the possibility that you could see something new. Love it. They also offer events such as singing competitions and poetry slam readings, and educational experiences including summer camps for youth, school field trip opportunities, as well as songwriting and entrepreneurial workshops for young people. That sounds and, so cool. Dude, they're currently going through a renovation to expand their facilities even more. So like... I can't even imagine how sick it's going to be once that's done. Oh my god, can you imagine being a kid and going to summer camp at fucking Motown? Motel oh my museum? god. One of a kind experience. But maybe, you know, we want to see some of the great outdoors of Detroit. We're not people who are terribly fond of the outdoors, <laughs> but there is Belle Isle Park, which absolutely has it all. Belle Isle Park is this little island that I believe sits in the river between the border of Detroit and Canada. Oh. And it's actually this kind of like, it's, it is a state park, but it has, it has this beautiful aquarium, a conservatory, a giant slide, the Great Lakes Museum. Catch me on that giant slide. Bro, the giant slide was it. I was <laughs> all about the giant slide. Now, the aisle itself is 2.5 miles long and 982 acres. Um, it's a park that's larger than Central Park in New York City and uh, was designed by the same architect, Frederick Law Olmsted. Oh my gosh! Very, very cool. And so a large portion of the island is for like a reservation for birds and little animals. Um, 
But there are lots of different things that you can take advantage of. There are fishing docks. There are places for you to go like rowing around the island. There's beaches that you can just relax on. Sounds like the coolest place ever. To enter the island park, apparently Michigan residents need a recreation passport, which can get you into 120 Michigan state parks. Wow. So it's really an investment in your own enjoyment of Michigan. Totally. So yeah, hiking, golf, fishing, uh, relaxing in the sun, catching some rays. It doesn't get better than that. And I tr the, the aquarium is so gorgeous. The interior has this like mid 20th century um, Art Deco tile vibe. Oh, sick. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. I don't know how factual this is, but apparently Belle Isle has some bridges connected to it, which are rumored to be haunted. <gasps> Supposedly, if you park on the bridge and honk three times, a woman in white will appear and might just ask you to follow her. Sounds very similar to, what was that woman who's the runner? Is that the Midnight Jogger? The Midnight Jogger, yeah. Yeah. She asked you to follow her? Yeah, she wants you to, and who knows where she's going to take you. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I want to find out. It will surely be interesting. So now, if those experiences weren't enough for you, you know, Detroit has a lot of other museums and historical houses to visit. I was going to do the Henry Ford Museum of American Ingenuity as one of my locations, but then I went on their website and, well one, they have a giant screen that you can watch things in, which is super tight, but I saw something else that got me super distracted. So we've talked about a lot of historical reenaction locales over the 20 plus episodes we've been doing this. Some would say maybe too much. Maybe we've talked it to death. <laughs> I'd say not enough. I'm glad to hear that because we have yet to encounter what is basically a historical theme park. Bro, we're taking a little trip to Greenfield Village, which actually promotes itself as an open air museum. But this thing is sectioned into seven different districts, each of which immerses visitors into a certain era of around 300 years of history. Oh my god! I can't cover all that's offered because there's so, so much. But there's a working farm which has a cider mill and a chicken shed, Ford Avenue where you can ride in a class Ford Model T, oh a railroad junction, uh, there's Main Street with a town hall and a town hearse shed. Gotta have that town hearse shed. Shit! Classic. Edison at work, which is pretty self-explanatory. Porches and parlors, which is really sick uh, because it places you on the porches or in the living rooms of certain famous Americans over time. Oh my gosh. Um, that sounds so, so it's like, cool. It's like going to Mickey and Minnie's house, except it's George Washington and he's <laughs> just talking mad shit at you. I pay for that. But finally, we have Liberty Craftworks, which has a glass gallery, machine shop, and a motherfucking grist oh, mill. There it is. <laughs> yeah, you. There are hella mills here. Like almost, I would say, almost ten mills of different varieties, and you bet one of them is a grist mill. Oh my goodness, so many mills. What am I gonna do with so many mills? I mean, mill about and enjoy them all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this place looks absolutely tight as hell. The food options also look delightful. This is one of the things that's advertised on the Visit Detroit website, which has some 
very questionable subtitles for some of its advertisements, including apparently there's a comfort inn by this place, Greenfield Village, and the advertisement is, make history at the comfort inn. Oh. Detroit, stop being horny on Maine. (laughs) (laughs) Stop being horny at the comfort inn. Make history, oh my god, wow. So, of all those places, what do you think you're most interested in at this point? Well, we're going to the Motown Museum, of course. That's a given. Of course. Uh, I want to ride the trolley or the, the streetcar, whatever you said it was. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, but we're going to this uh, this park that you were just talking about in depth. Like, all, It sounds like Disneyland, but for history lovers. Yeah, no, that's a thousand percent what it is. That sounds so fun. The Visit Detroit website also tries to market LGBTQIA venues and activities, which is super awesome. Uh, but they have a specific subsection, which is LGBT entertainment and sports. So the entertainment is literally just drag bingo, theater, and men's choruses. <laughs> so LGBTQIA sports leagues are hella common, and Detroit broadly is a sports city. So it makes sense that this is advertised. But I just love the idea that someone who's traveling to a new city is going to show up and be like, Where are them gay sports at? Give me all the Let gay me get sports. <laughs> So maybe we could go check out a uh, queer basketball game, queer soccer game, uh, and just see those hot he-she's and they's run in the field. <laughs> Let's do it. Finally, we've done a lot. This is probably stuff we're doing over multiple days. Definitely. But we're going to finish off with an exquisite meal at the Whitney, which I know you're going to fuck with this because it, it's in a mansion built in the 1890s. Oh, yep, we're going. Mm-hmm. But so, the man who built this house, tale as old as time, starts building his house, his wife dies. So, he marries his wife's sister, she also dies in the house. Oh, and then he dies in the house. Oh my. I, I swear we've done at least three different stories about rich men build or women building houses and then their significant others or all members of their family dying in them. Yeah, we've definitely covered this. And I think that we just need to start doing a PSA that if you have a lot of money, just buy. Just buy. Yeah, just buy a house. Don't try to build it. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it such a common theme? I know we've at least done three. And I've seen other venues doing research that claim to have the same story. So maybe some of this is fabricated, but... You better believe that they say that the Whitney is haunted. Oh, I bet. So once we finished our meal, we can head over to the ghost bar where they serve spirits, including the witching hour martini. And you can bet your ass on the first and fourth Sundays of the month, they have a paranormal dinner tour. Oh, yes. So we get served champagne as we're taken on a tour of the house. And then, once your dinner is over, you get a gosh dang ghost tour of the house, gardens, and carriage house. It simply doesn't get better than that. That sounds like our shit times a billion. Times a billion. And I think that's where we end our little stay in Detroit. We've just touched the surface of what it has to offer. I would I'd say to our audience, if you're visiting Detroit anytime soon, uh, on the Visit Detroit website, there are t- seven pages of itineraries that you can follow. Whoa. Including, like, going out with your dad, like, LGBT-friendly stuff, uh, bachelor 
or bachelorette parties, free things, um, which the free things is kind of a misnomer because it's just really, it's cheap activities that you can do. <laughs> but um, anything that you can want is there. And they've Sounds got like itinerary it. planned for you. What, what, how do you feel? What, what do you feel about our state of Troy? I feel really good. I feel like we've done a lot of really good things. Man, that, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that ghost dinner tour just sounds tight as hell. Oh, yes. I was surprised at how much foodie city it is. The Whitney, I think, is one of the most popular restaurants in Detroit, but truly, audience, you have your choice of a smorgasbord of delicious and well-regarded restaurants. Fantastic. So, each week on the podcast, we like to highlight a regional charity. So, you know, if, if you have the ability to and feel... Uh, the call to action, as it were, you can donate to some of these charities and help to promote the prosperity of the different cities, regions, locations that we cover. Surprisingly, many of the things I cover today are also nonprofit charities. So we'll start off with the Heidelberg Project, which again is the outdoor art experience. Oh yes, we gotta go there too. Yes, definitely. The So their mission is, it's an outdoor art environment in the heart of an urban area, and it's a Detroit-based community organization with a mission to improve the lives of people and neighbors through art, which is beautiful. If you want to learn more about them or get involved, check out heidelberg.org. The Bell Isle Conservancy also is a charitable organization and takes donations. Uh, you can also volunteer there if you want. I saw a announcement on the aquariums page during COVID that was asking essentially for donations because obviously people can't come during COVID and the cost to keep up the aquarium was like $15,000 a month. Oh shit. So yeah, if uh, it's a beautiful aquarium and it should be there for future generations. And if you can, uh, I would highly recommend donating to them. Uh, Motown Museum as well, motown.org support all of those different programs that I outlined. Finally, Eastern Market, I believe, is also a charitable organization. Um, and find out more about them at easternmarket.org. So, kind of a scattershot uh, charity plug today, but all of these organizations seem like they do a lot of good work mm-hmm. and are staples of the community in Detroit. Um, so it's great to highlight them. Perfect. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I never knew that Detroit had so much, and I, that there's there's so much I want to do there. I'm gonna go up, look look up some YouTube videos of and just like live vicariously through others who have done it. We got to go, and it was a lot of fun hearing about the name Rouge. Yeah. So, listeners, uh, be sure to give us a give us a review in in whatever platform you listen to us on. Um, visit us on Instagram at Terror and Travel Show. And if your hometown has an urban legend that you want us to cover, please send us a DM. We would love to hear from you. But audience, for now, we love you. We appreciate you. Stay spooky. Don't die. Bye. Bye. Bye.